Success is elusive, but it doesn't have to be. This is Limitless Belief, a weekly podcast where we discover the principles of success by those who use them well. Be encouraged, be inspired, be limitless. Hello and welcome to the Limitless Belief Podcast, the show that provides insight and encouragement, ideas and inspiration to people struggling with self-limiting beliefs. And we're going to do that through authentic conversation. Our goal is to unlock the unlimited power of positive mindset and limitless belief, one conversation at a time, creating a community where people can share, learn, and grow from the examples and stories of individuals who have overcome self-limiting beliefs. I'm your host, Frederick Talbert. And today we're going to talk about conquering limiting beliefs with Larry E. Roberts Jr. So whether you're at home, in your car, or taking public transportation, we appreciate you spending some time with us today. Our guest today is Larry Roberts. He is the founder and owner of Larry's Barber College based in Chicago, Illinois. Among many of Larry's amazing accomplishments in his 30 plus years of service are a lot of firsts. Uh, the first black barbershop in a suburb of Matson, Illinois, the first and only accredited program inside a state facility, making history opening the first barber college inside Cook County's Department of Corrections. He is also the founder of Data Foundation, Inc., which stands for Developing a Trade After, a nonprofit organization that provides resources and finances for his Department of Correction program and his barber colleges. In today's episode, we will discuss Larry's journey to becoming an extremely successful barber and a socially conscious entrepreneur, and how he was able to motivate people to go through their pain and setbacks in order to get to the other side of Limitless. So we will dive deep into his experience as a successful musician, working with names such as John Hanna and New Life Covenant, Ricky Dillard and A New Generation, Kurt Franklin writing a powerful biography titled Suicide is Not the Answer and much more. So thanks for being on the show, Larry. Thanks for having me, Fred. Appreciate yes, it. Absolutely. So let's get into it. Um, you're, you're an extremely successful barber and entrepreneur, musician, and philanthropist, worked with and served a multitude of celebrities, including Judge Mathis, Kurt Franklin, Mackay Pfeiffer, and, and many more names. Um, actually, I've heard you say that on more than one occasion that every one of your clients that you that you serve is actually a celebrity in your eyes and it's the it's that mentality that really you know makes you, know, you, you feel that way that i did i did you say that All yeah right. wow that's good <laughs> that's true that's it's true. the mindset right absolutely absolutely and uh you've helped thousands of men and women in the department of corrections system overcome recidivism and homelessness with your foundation data inc and Larry's Barber College. You were also featured on the popular daytime talk show, Windy City Live, as a four-star Chicagoan. Um, as a result of what you're doing in the Department of Corrections, and you're also the author of the powerful biography, Suicide is Not the Answer. So for those who may not know you, what's the connection across all these activities, and how would you describe your, your life calling and your purpose? Um, I feel like my purpose is to um, help people to get healed, delivered, and set free, mm -hmm. right? And um, also, and that's pretty much part of the reason that I wrote wrote my book, you right. know, my 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 life story, so to speak. But I'm um, also really to um, educate a new generation 
of barbers and you know in this industry just to really show them you know the right way to represent who we are in this industry so i feel like that's like the main core of my purpose yeah for sure yeah i love that and you you know i uh just kind of i'm gonna jump around a little bit but i want to always like to start let's jump let's do it it. let's do it i like to uh, always kind of start with the childhood and i thank you for giving us clarity as far as your purpose and your mission um, but you had a you, you had a very unique childhood. Absolutely, you know where your your, your dad owned a few restaurants, mm-hmm. and uh, you were working those restaurants, or better yet, run those restaurants, yeah. uh, operating in various roles and functions. Um, you had you also had a defining moment early in your life, around thirteen years old, mm-hmm. um, when your dad moved the family to Madison, Illinois. I heard you called it Lame Brain. <laughs> Lame Brain, man. Lame Brain idea. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and, but look, look at the outcome. Look you know? at the outcome. So. Yeah, for sure. And that, but it, it presented a, an issue for you, you right? Know, uh, for for young Larry, because you stated that there were no one in your new community that looked like you. Um, so, you know. That's kind of like the beginning of it, but can you pick it up from there? What was the main issue for you being in this new community where no one looked like you, and how did you overcome that obstacle? Um, you know, it, it was it was a big adjustment. Like to this day, I don't like the suburbs. Okay, <laughs> I yeah. just don't. Yeah, I, I'm, I like fast pace. I'm a city man. You yeah. know, I'm a city guy. So moving out to the suburbs, and you know, they had a house built from the ground. You know, which was wonderful. All of that stuff was good, but yeah. you know, I was used to. Going to play basketball in the alley, man, on a <laughs> on a milk crate, so either the bike rim and yeah. you know uh, pl- doing um, the water slide from you know the blue tarps that they put on the roof when they leak. Oh yeah, man, okay. we used to double those tarps, man, hoping <laughs> that there wasn't no rocks up underneath it, and yeah. let the water holes run on there, and we go you know slip and slide, man. So I was used to climbing trees, man, and playing hide and go seek all night long, or playing yeah. rock teacher, or jumping the, jumping from the top of the stairs all the way down, or in the streets playing you know, uh, uh, running bases, man, and football in the streets. But yeah. come out to the suburbs, man, it wasn't none of that. Yeah. And then for me at 13, the defining moment, like you spoke of, uh, you know, it was time to get a haircut. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, I got to go to the city to get a haircut. My dad is at work and, you know, my mom, you know, she's not going to take me to the city to get a haircut. Right. So, you know, I like to keep myself well-groomed. You know, right. I, I wore suits to school every day. And, right. you know, my hair needed to look a certain kind of way. So, I was like, man, bump this. I yeah. went to Walgreens and bought a pair of clippers for $19.99. Okay. You know, and I say the rest is history, basically. Yeah. You know, um, I speak often about what the red, white, and blue barber poles stand for, right? For sure. The red is for blood, the blue is for veins, the white is for bandages, and the ball on the bottom is called a bassin. Mm. We were doctors and dentists back in the day. You know, mm. um, we did minor surgeries, bloodletting. That's what the bassin was for. Uh, it was later on in the 1800s when they separated the professions mm-hmm. and they individualized each one. So, mm. you know, Illinois Department of Professional Regulation, you know, the doctor, dentist, and our professional name is a tonsoral artist. Mm-hmm. We all we all get our license, you know, from the same place and everything. So, mm. basically, in school you also taught that barbering is an art and it's a science. Mm. So I draw really well and mm. I have great penmanship, right? right? So I took that and 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 implemented it into my haircutting, mm. you know, and and I just I it's just what I do, man. Yeah, I feel sure. like I'm a, you know, like a an amazing barber, you yeah, know. Yeah. You know, dog on that don't wag their own tail. You yeah, know no, saying? for sure. But the work speaks for itself, though. Absolutely, it's just, it's yeah. just like a great painting, right? Absolutely. You got paintings walking around all the city, you know, the city of Chicago. But I also <laughs> teach people, you know, like um you can be a great barber, yeah, but then your posture mm-hmm. doesn't align with 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 how good you are at your craft. So right. I often talk about the gift and the character, right? Yeah, yeah. We have to be careful that we don't allow our gift to mm-hmm. take us some place that our character can't handle. For sure. So sometimes your gift is really, really good, yeah. but you haven't matured enough 
in your character to be able to handle your gift, for right? Sure, for sure. So those are part of the things that I teach, and I feel like you know doing everything that I did so young, mm. you know, and with my parents and my dad giving me the responsibility of of running, you know, his restaurants and you know working 40, 50, 60 hours a week for free. Yeah, <laughs> I still got an attitude about that. Yeah, for you sure. Know, but he taught me the sweat equity of it, you yeah. know, and um, and I it taught me to be responsible very young on. Yeah. So you know, that's a good you know that's a good segue into my next question. You know, I wanted to. You know, I wanted to ask you, you know, how how has that how did that early exposure uh, to entrepreneurship and leadership in your dad's restaurant shape you and prepare you uh, for life as a leader and an entrepreneur, which you are now? Well, you know, I've seen my dad do something that was embarrassing to me, mm -hmm. uh, but but it it taught me later on um, pretty much how to handle and how to conduct myself, right? So sometimes I would leave my my mom and dad dad at home in the bed. I would ride my bike to the restaurant, mm. and I'd be at the restaurant at six o'clock in the morning prepping, lighting yeah. the barbecue pit, right. lighting the steam table, changing the grease, right. uh, cleaning rib tips, cleaning the meat, seasoning right. stuff, making right. homemade barbecue sauce, making homemade hot links, and they were still at home in the bed, right? Right. So it taught me that aspect of it, but I also seen my dad, uh, and my father told me he said, "Hey, man." Just clock in. I think minimum wage was like two dollars and something back in the day, oh right? <laughs> so he was like, "Clock in, man, and yeah. I'm gonna pay you." Yeah. So I never forget. I think I did sixty hours one week, man, mm -hmm. and my I think my paycheck was gonna be like three hundred and something dollars. I was like, "Ooh." Yeah. And my father was like, "Oh man, please, you got a place to live and da 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 da." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, dad, come on, man." But uh, but I seen my dad. I, one day my dad was taking the license plates off of his we always had the best cars right mm -hmm. we had like the jeep grand cherokees and, and nissan maximus because that's what was popular back in the day for sure the chevy blazers yeah yeah you know and i seen my father taking the license plates off of one of his cars mm -hmm. i'm like hey, hey what, what you doing man like man i'm Taking it back, you know, right. he was doing a voluntary repossession. Like, no, you can't do that, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, my father loved Lincoln Town cars, so yeah. you know he was taking a place off his Lincoln Town car to take it back, and then he bought a a a, a four door Ford wagon, like station wagon, yeah. uh, escort wagon. Yeah, I'm like, man, what are you doing? What's like, that? come on, man, you know what I'm saying? Because we got an image to uphold, right? Right, right, right. And then I seen my dad have a restaurant. But he used to, my father helped build Sears, Sears Tower back in the day, right? Because okay. he did construction. And I seen my dad have a restaurant, but go and work another job when the restaurant was slow mm. to bring money back to put in the restaurant mm. in order to make what he loved work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, you know what I'm saying? So that taught me. Because now I seen myself, like when I first opened up my barber school, mm -hmm. you know, you don't get financial aid right away. You have to fight for that. Right. So then I was like, man, I'm buying and selling real estate and I'm doing these things, but I'm taking that money and I'm bringing the residuals back to put into my school because this is what I really love. Right. So that, that really shaped me because of the fact that I seen my dad do what it took mm. in order to take care of his family, mm. make his businesses work, and it helped me mature me. So mm -hmm. as I got older... It was me having to be accountable for, you know, a lot of times you want to be like, man, you know, you know, you, you buy a BMW when you can only afford a Grand Am. For sure. And then as soon as the repo man come, you know, it's like, oh, man, you know, God, why are you letting this happen to me? And yeah. everything is you blaming it on everybody else. Yeah. But at some point you have to take accountability to realize like, man. I bought a BMW when I can only afford a Grand Am. For sure. So who am I blaming when I just need to blame myself? Right. So I, I took accountability and made sure that moving forward 
that I did what was necessary. Make mm-hmm. uh, allow your business to work mm-hmm. and do what that needs to do, and everything else will work itself out. I love that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, as a flip side to that as well, sometimes you could buy a Grand Dam and it costs you a BMW in the end. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, with those true. interest rates, and I know you, I know you have some uh, experience with those high I, interest I, rates. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I, I I never forget yeah. just a real a funny quick story. So when I graduated from high school. My dad bought me, you know, I'm 47 years old. So okay. blazers back in the day was the hot commodity. Right. Man, I was 18. So, of course, like he didn't pay me when I worked at the restaurant. Man, my father pulled up in front. He said, he kept saying, your graduation, like, man, I got something for you. Yeah. You just wait. You just wait. Yeah. Man, he pulled up in front of that restaurant graduation night, man, with a four-door blazer with a red bow wrapped around it, <laughs> threw the keys up in the air like, man, congratulations. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe this, we man. Winning. We winning. I can't right. believe it, right? Right. So then, I, now I'm living at home now, so I'm feeling like, man, so I, I used to put the, I used to change the rims on my truck, you know, like like they was underwear, man. Mm-hmm. I, I lower my truck to the ground, lift it back up, put mm-hmm. a Batman wing on mm-hmm. there, tent the windows, yes, had bazooka tubes in the back, had a kicker <laughs> box in the back, had an Alpine pullout in there, yes, man. Sir. Yes, you know, sir. they thought I was a drug dealer, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. When I was just this church boy yeah, no, I know, <laughs> who I know had this car that looked like a, yeah. a drug dealer car, you know what I'm saying? I've been through that. Right, through so that. Yep. I had neon <laughs> lights under the bottom, and my yeah. truck was so cold, man, I put on the side, I had some chrome on the side that said, yeah, I know. You know, like I'm tired of I'm tired of saying like when y'all be like, man, that, that truck is cold. I'm like, man, just look on the side. And the side said, yeah, I know on there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then I changed it to gold and put simply Larry on there, right? Okay. So then I'm living at home and I decide I want to go buy me a pearl white drop top Mustang with a burgundy rag on it. <laughs> All right? So my yeah. father said so 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 my mother called. So one day after school, I had took my sister. I took my sister to uh to the car dealership in Orland. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I'm going to buy this truck. So I had her drive my car because when I bought this car, mm-hmm. then I'm I'm going home, right? Yeah. So my mama called. She said, Larry, where are you? I said, I'm in my car. She said, what car? I said, my new car. She said, your daddy go get you. I said, no, he ain't. So I get home, my drop top Mustang. So now I'm living at home. Yeah. I'm like 19, 20 years old. I got two cars. Oh, man. My, my daddy said, where you think you going with these cars, yeah. man? So then he was like, he said, he, <laughs> he said, you better take this car back or you got to go. Yeah, right. I said, well, man, I got to go because right. I, wasn't, I wasn't budging, man. I'm like, yeah. look, I'm balling out of control, man. Like, you ain't even got nowhere to park this car. So to your point of the interest rate, yeah. so I... So my mama said, Larry, just take the car back. Just, mm. So I'm like, okay, the only reason I'm taking it back is because mama told me to take it back, okay, right? Yeah. So we was going to church on this Monday night. So my father walked me to the Ford dealership, and he put the key. They said, hey, Larry, what you doing up here, man? He said, I'm bringing my son's car back. Okay. So he put the keys on the desk. He said, you can't do that. He said, man, you know how long I've been buying cars? Right. He just bought this car this morning. I can bring this car back right now, right? right, right. So then the letter came in the mail to say what the interest rate was. Mm. I think the car, it was used. I think the car was like $12,000. When they got done with me, I would have paid $28,000 for that car. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. That happens a lot. Man. So, yeah, that really yeah, happens man. a lot. Sorry for the long story, no, man. No, but I, I, story. I haven't told that story, man, in a while, man. Yeah. I, I, that's funny. That's a great story. You know, I, I know we kind of briefly kind of... Uh, reference you know my my career in banking you know that's something i saw a lot a yeah. lot of the times yeah. you know uh, and i and had good and, credit you know the funny thing about that is you I know i had a1 credit oh you had a1 credit i still had, had a1 credit really but i was a, i was 19 20 years old hmm. I didn't okay. know. They, yeah. they, man, they seen me coming. Oh, okay, I got you. They, yeah. they took me through a secondary. He said, look, <laughs> they sent you through a secondary finance company oh, and all man. of this. Yeah. See what would happen? Because I, I was, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I didn't learn about what every thousand dollars mean. And I right. didn't learn about, you know, you can talk them down. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, so I didn't right. Know. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have a they trying to make their money. 
trying to you make can't be mad at them for doing their job. Can't be mad, right? So I want to, I want to kind of, you know, just go back a little bit. Um, you know, when you first started your, you, your first barbershop, and I might, I might get this wrong, but your first barbershop was in your parents' basement at, yep. at, at the age of thirteen. I had another guy working in my, in my basement. Yeah, we had, for sure. We, yeah, we were inundated, man. We had the Kill whole it. south su- suburbs. Yeah, sold up in the basement. And at seventeen, you enrolled into barber school. Yes, while finishing high, your senior year in high school. Yes, and then at nineteen, you opened your actual first real barbershop. Yes, so. I want to ask you, you know, there's there's something about this six year stretch in your life to me that seems that screams limitless. Okay. Right. Um, how were you able to block all of the other possibilities and distractions uh, a young person has? You know, because you could you could have been like, I want to go to the army. I want to be a rapper. I want to be a sports player. I want to you know, there's so many things you could you could do. You want You could be. But you had your eyes and your mind dead set on being a barber. So, you know, some people go their entire life, you know, without ever knowing what their purpose is, or maybe they find out later in life. If you could just tap back into that young man's mindset, what was the difference between you and, let's say, somebody that doesn't figure out to later on in their life what their purpose is? And is it something that can be taught, or do you have to be born with it? So I would say it's, it's twofold, right? Um, thank God for having a two-parent household. That's yep. the first thing. Yep. Um, having a hard-working father, you know what I'm saying, wonderful mother, and being brought up in church, okay. right? So, you know, God being ahead of my life, you know, being brought up in church and always being prophesied to that, you know, you're going to be this successful businessman at a young age. Yeah. You know, since I was little, they prophesied that to me, right? Right. So uh, you had the bitter and you had the sweet in that because, okay. you know, I worked in that. Like, I'm very structured. Like, when it comes to what I do every day, mm-hmm. like, I'm, a, I'm I'm never late. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the way I operate. For sure. You know, whatever I do, I try and be my very best at it. Right. Uh, so, with that being said, it's like I took what they told me, and I kind of lived on that. Because, you know, I came from one of them churches that was pretty, uh, they, they were pretty strict. Mm-hmm. Church of God in Christ, right? Yep. So, pretty strict as it relates to, you know, if you do this, you're going to hell. Okay. This is a sin. That's okay. a sin. That's yeah. a sin. Right. right? So, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do this and miss out on this. Okay. So I got you. You see sure. what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So things absolutely. that wasn't really bad, yeah. they kind of scared us into, to I'm like, okay, it. well, I'm not going to do none of this stuff because I want to be the successful businessman. So I, I, I pretty much kept that right here. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, but then the, the, the bitter part of it is, is that I got older mm-hmm. and all of the things that I thought that I was supposed to have mm-hmm. just like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, it didn't happen. Okay. So I kind of started blaming God. Okay. I kind of started saying, like, what's going on? Like, right. you said all I had to do is live like this and not do this. And and all of these things, it's kind of that song, if you live right, heaven belongs to you. Mm-hmm. Treat your neighbor right, heaven belongs to you. Mm-hmm. So I treated my neighbor right. I lived right. I did all of these things right. right. And, 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 and it's like all of them bad people was doing better than I was right, doing. Right. I didn't get it. I didn't yeah. understand. For sure. But, you know couple things come to mind to whom much is given much is required okay but when we're in it we don't understand that and then other thing that i wrote in my book is is that you have to go through in order to get to yes sir but how you deal with what you go through determines how you come out absolutely so when i was going through it i mean i wasn't going to lay down and die but it didn't feel good going through it Uh but i kept going through it a lot of times man and which which led to me writing my book suicide is not the answer you know every time 
every time something didn't happen that I feel like should have happened a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to live no more. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of this, you know, because mm-hmm. people didn't believe that I was going through what I was going through, okay. but I wore it well, right? right, right. So I'm I, like I said, I'm a creature of habit. So I'm I'm structured. I'm gonna get up every day. I'm gonna get a shower. I'm mm-hmm. gonna put some nice clothes on. Yes, I'm gonna smell good. Yep. You know, I'm gonna drive a nice car. I'm going to my business. I'm never late. Yes, I'm sir. gonna fulfill all of my obligations. Yeah. And then come home lonely, depressed, mm. deprived, mm-hmm. hurt. Nobody understands me. Mm. Nobody won't listen to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like I lived like that every day for so long. Okay. So people didn't believe it because of the fact that the way I presented myself, I'm like, ta-da, right. here I am, I'm right. on time, I'm yeah. prepared, you know, but then if I called them because I needed help, they didn't believe it because of the way I presented myself. You Absolutely, know what I'm yeah. So a lot of that had a lot to do with it. That's powerful, you know, and I want to, um, I was going to get to that, but, you know, I want to just kind of keep the momentum going okay. in this direction. You know, your book is titled Suicide is Not the Answer, um, and it's a powerful biography. I haven't read the whole thing, but I'm I'm, I'm halfway through it. Um, but from the preface throughout the first chapter, I could tell that you found a level of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and in your truth, and that you was you were willingly sharing everything in hopes to help others grow through uh, what they go through, and that you were modeling that possibility through your story and your journey, right? Because you were able to do it yourself. Um, I'm gonna read the last paragraph of the, of the preface, if you okay. don't mind. So let me uh, let me pull it up real quick. I think, um, and we were referring to um, when you asked me the question, I said you know, in hopes that people would be healed, delivered, and set free, mm-hmm. you know, through my book. You yeah, know, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. So the, the part in the preface, you know, how, how often do you read a preface and you're like, man, that was powerful, like, right. I, you know, but out the, out the gate, you know, I found something that I identify, identify with, but you said that the enemy's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, if I weren't trying to do anything productive, life would probably be a piece of cake. But because I am trying to do my part, to help the world be a better place, it seems that it seems like my life has been a living hell. How could this be? The important things are to stay strong and know that the race is not given to the swift, but to the ones who endures until the end. Um, I felt that, Larry. I just said that yeah. to somebody yeah. a couple hours ago. Yeah, literally. Sure. I felt that. So, like, I felt that when I read it, and I still feel it today. Um, and you know, I thought about the lowest point of my life. After, after I read that, you know, um, where it seemed everything was going in the wrong direction. I felt like my finances was going in the wrong direction. I felt like my relationships were going in the wrong direction. My career, just life in general, just felt like things were wrong. Um, and it was just a tough time. And nothing seemed to help. That was the thing that kind of stuck, stuck out to me. It was like, I felt like I was doing the right things, getting speaking out about, you know, my issues, going to places, going to church. But it, it just felt like things wasn't uh, changing for me. But... It wasn't until um, I came across this verse in the Bible, and I want to read it to you. Uh, it's in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 11, where it says, um, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So what I was going through was real and valid, right? You know, your pain is real and valid, right? And I think we should give the proper respect to our pain that it deserves. And I feel like other people should give the proper respect to our pain that it deserves. And I know you mentioned that sometimes you would call people and they would be like, oh man, you straight, you know, you, you know, because of how you, how they perceive you from an external perspective. Um, but I guess the question I had wanted to ask you was what were some of those self-limiting beliefs that were holding you back 
Um, and what were some of the self-limiting beliefs that were causing you to contemplate committing suicide? Um, so what I realized, it took me 10 years to write that book. Yeah. Not because I didn't know, because I wrote the book myself. You know, I figured out how to put all my chapters together. You know, I typed really well. So yep. I did all of those things, right? Yep. It wasn't because I didn't know what to put in there. But the key thing was, is that why do people deal with suicide? Yeah. And I hadn't, I hadn't accomplished that answer yet. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, all I know is every time something went wrong and when nobody understood me, I mm-hmm. feel like I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. And it, it kept coming. It kept coming. It kept coming until I decided that I'm, I'm tired of this. And then that's when it, that's when it popped in my head. Mm. It's not that people want to. Like nobody, if, if they're not mental, nobody in their right mind want to say, man, I'm just going to jump off the bridge. Or I'm exactly. going to shoot. I'm going to blow my head off. or I'm going I'm to slip my wrist and I'm going to kill myself, this, yeah, that, and the other. I mean, sure. we all have that appointment to make, but we don't want to give ourselves that on, uh, you know, that appointment. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Absolutely. So when you're hurting, you want people to feel the extremity of how bad you are hurting. Yeah. Because what I can remember is, is that I played my funeral in my head. Yeah. I played in my head, people getting up saying, woulda, shoulda, coulda. I didn't know. So I think a lot of people are going for, they want people to feel how bad they are hurting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's what suicide, I feel, yeah. in my my in my, my opinion. Yeah. So that's when I was able to finish the book because I wanted to be able to wrap it up to help people, you know, get delivered and set free from it. I put right. my whole life in that book, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I talked about being molested as a baby. So why am I ashamed to talk about something that I wasn't in control of that somebody did to me? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So right. I turned my pain into purpose, you yeah. know? Yeah. I wrote my book to help people get healed, delivered, set free. Mm-hmm. You know, when I wrote my book, man, when I tell you people came out the woodwork, I'm talking about older gentlemen, 50, 60 years old, crying, young man, thank you for telling your story. It happened to me. I ain't never told nobody. Mm-hmm. Women t- saying that, you know, they were they were raped or they was molested by their uncles mm-hmm. or, or their fathers and they didn't know how to free themselves from it. But reading my book and everything that I went through, yeah. you know, that was part of their, their healing and their yeah. deliverance, you know what I'm saying? And them being set free from it. So, yeah. You know, that's that's pretty much where suicide had to derive. Yeah, that's uh, that's powerful. It seems like um, a part of the healing process was releasing it. Absolutely. You know, not, and for, not, and not forgiving and forgiving, it. you know, if, if it's a person or if it's a mm. thing, yeah. you know, have, you have to destroy it, let it go or you have to forgive that person. Forgive that person well, right. I didn't I didn't realize that I even had. I didn't realize that I even had issues, you know? I mean, me being angry, I just blamed that on the fact, well, I'm a Taurus, man. You pissed me off. I'm snapping. You know, I'm going off, you know? I blamed it on that. I mean, that's kind of part of it, you know what I'm saying? You know, because I I will put holes in the wall in a minute with my (laughs) fist, you know? So that's part of it. But but I had to stop using it as a crutch because I also felt like people took my meekness for weakness. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm I'm a very nice guy. But, hey, if I say, hey, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's, let's let's stop. I feel like... The real Taurus pops up because then I feel like I can pick the world up, and okay. I, it's like I black out. You know you. what I'm saying? Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm about 95 percent free from that right okay. now. So I got you. you know, I got Lord's you. willing, whatever. Yeah, you know. yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. no, nah, that's powerful. That's powerful. And you know, you know, sim- I think that the verse in Hebrews, uh, in a sense, was kind of like my the the turning point for me, similar similar to how that book was for you, because once I realized that the things that I was going through that moment were more so lessons instead of punishments and things of that nature. That's when I 
when I when I received that mindset shift. Right. And it's because of that mindset shift is directly correlated to the lessons that I learned are directly correlated to things that I'm doing now. Right. Because the lessons that I was able to learn then gave me the strength and the courage to do a Limitless Bleed podcast and some of the other, you know, enterprises and ventures that I have going on. So, you know, it's, 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 it's not punishment, they're lessons. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a powerful story and letting it go. Yeah. That's a powerful, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's super powerful advice. I want to stick on this note just a little bit longer. This is probably going to be my last question about, about this, but you note that when, you, you just kind of said this, that when people face hard times in depression, uh, many times they reach out to people and those are kind of, they blow them off. So many things they say like, hey, you'll be all right. Uh, they display sort of like a disbelief because of external appearances or whatever the case may be. Um, and this can hinder this can hinder people from growing past their challenges. Right. So I've heard you reference in an interview that suicide is a message that I'm going to show you how bad I'm hurting. Um, what are the biggest tips outside of some of the things you just shared right now that you can give someone for healing and growing from the setbacks they may have in their life? Um, you know, a lot of people think that if you go and sit down with a counselor, yeah, that you it means you're crazy. No, it doesn't. Yeah, when you go and sit down with somebody who can help mediate and help rewind things and professional, yeah, that can take you back and help you deal with those things, yeah, go get some help. It's okay to go to a psychiatrist, it's okay to go sit down with somebody. It don't mean you're crazy, right? It just means that you need somebody who's a professional to help you, and that's what I did. Okay, I went and sat down mm -hmm. with somebody, and they rewound all the way back. Mm -hmm. So, something that was ailing me that I didn't feel like was ailing me, it really was. Mm -hmm. So, the psychiatrist taught me how to deal with what was ailing me, okay, right? Right, so I I didn't know it was something that I needed to let go. Right. Because I was so young, you know, so, okay, let, let's put it out there. I was a womanizer, right? You know, um, I was a womanizer. I wasn't a disrespect, a disrespectful womanizer, if, if that means anything. I was just a womanizer as in, you know, I didn't get enough women. So okay. it was just women, women, women. Right. Sometimes it was two or three women every day. Right. No, I'm not, you know what I'm saying? That's what it was for me. I felt like that was normal. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was natural, right? Mm -hmm. But- in essence, sitting down with a, a, a professional is kind of like that's almost kind of sort of your 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 way of dealing with with your pain, so mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. So what it allowed me to do is that sometimes we can be very, very judgmental, especially mm -hmm. church people. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are drunk, oh, man, you are drunk. Yeah. But I was a whoremonger. <laughs> oh, man, you are you a drug addict. Yeah. Yeah. But I was a womanizer. Right. You know what I'm saying? You were you were alcoholic or you were, you know, whatever. You're a weed head. Well, mm -hmm. you know, come on, man. It, there's no difference. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Wrong is wrong. Right. Right is right. How right. you want to look at that. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. For sure. So um, it, it, it just really amounted to me having to take accountability, man. OK. You know, you have to take accountability. You can't keep blaming stuff on this and blaming stuff on that. Right. But going to a counselor, man, is probably one of the key things that you can do. And it's okay to talk about it. I'm not okay. embarrassed to talk about something that I couldn't that I couldn't help, that I couldn't prevent. Right. And neither am I gonna keep it in and mm -hmm. and make it where somebody else can't get their breakthrough right. because I'm not willing to tell my story. Right. Because see people they 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 see the glory mm -hmm. but they don't know the story. Right. Absolutely. They don't know what you went through, right? That's right. That's so right. when you tell people they only see all the like I said, I used to dress it up well every day. Yeah. So people didn't believe oh man, you ain't going through nothing. You good. But yeah. I, I really am. I'm in yeah. I'm sitting in darkness every day. Right. I'm not understanding God, why are you not letting this happen for me? Right. But what I had to understand is that had God given me what I really wanted in my early twenties then I would have been 47 right now not knowing how to handle it, right? So sure. then thinking mm -hmm. back to what I said about, like, my dad, there mm -hmm. was times, man, where 
I'll never forget. Like I, I had three Navigators. I had a Jaguar. I had a Range Rover. I had a Mercedes at 21. I had yeah. a Blazer at at at, at 18. Yes, I had all these wonderful cars, man. And on my third Navigator, it was my lease was up, right? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't afford to go get because it, it, I was always juggling, right? Yeah. I was always juggling. Yeah. I couldn't go. I wanted to go get another Range Rover. Okay. I couldn't afford to do it. I went to the Range Rover dealership. You know what I'm saying? Email dressed up, looking nice, because I want to be, you know, present myself well. Yes, sir. Hey, man, how, how much is Range Rover right here? Oh man, this Range Rover is gonna be like seventy thousand dollars. All right. You know what I'm saying? Cool. How much am I? Well, you gonna have to put down about you know eight nine thousand dollars. You know your car note to be about seventeen hundred dollars. Mm. All right, man. Cool. Now I'm trying to figure. I said, I know I don't got this money. But I'm going to muster this money up some kind of way because when I turn this Navigator in, mm-hmm. I'm Larry. Right. I got to drive I gotta drive something stupid. Something slick, you know what right. I'm saying? That's absolutely right. I Man, you. I matured. I was so mature in this situation until I dumbed, I drove a 99 Ford Explorer. Mm. This was in 2007. Mm-hmm. I drove a 99 Ford Explorer. Now, mm-hmm. I could have went, went and got a car. And struggle with it, mm-hmm. but at this point in my life, I had to I had to succumb to what people thought, what I feel like I should be, and think about my business and where where it is I'm trying to go. Right. Absolutely. So I drove a '99 Ford Explorer, man. Where I had to open up the back door, yeah. Unlock the front door, yeah. Because I couldn't unlock it from the front door sometimes with the key fob. Uh-huh. Sometimes I would come downstairs, <laughs> the battery beat and died. I had oh, to call man. the tow truck there, come jimmy it open and st- jump it for me, man. Oh, I would park down the street because I didn't want nobody to see me getting out with this. You know, come on, man. You yeah, know what yeah, saying? for sure. But after so long, I'm like, man, so what? Yeah. So what? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Nobody. Nobody cares, yeah, right. man. And that's I right. learned from that, man. And yeah. I grew and I matured. And I was able to tell somebody else about that. Mm. So God started saying, okay, you know, you 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 ain't quite ready yet, but 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 let me put this piece of coal back back mm. in the oven, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, so we can get this good diamond out of it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let me let me crush this olive a little bit more mm. so we can get that oil get that out oil of it. Out you know what I'm right, saying? Right. I but I didn't you. understand that when I was going through it. Yeah. But it was up to me to continue to learn and how I was deal dealing with it. Yeah. That determined how I came out. So when I look mm. at all of that stuff that I went through. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. ugh. Yeah. It didn't feel good. Right. But I persevered, man. And yeah. I'm not where I want to be at right now, but yeah. I know that I'm not where I used to be, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've you've been able to, you know, uh, overcome some, you know, some some major hurdles and you've learned from them. And right. like you said, now you're able to bless other people based on, you know, your your experience. Right. Um, I want to get into like the the barbershop, the barbering profession a little bit, okay. if you don't mind. Um, so according to Forbes, right, an article I read recently in uh, was I in it? Forbes? Was I in there? I don't think you were in it, but okay. they, they were talking All about right. your profession. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> so in a sense, you were. Okay. Um, the article was written in 2017, and it said that the barbering profession will reach 26 billion dollars in revenue by 2020. That was in the United States. Okay. Um, and that there are tw- a little bit over 20,000 barbers in the U.S. as of 2019. So I'm pretty sure that's significantly more now. Um, and that the barbering f- profession is recession-proof and exempt from outside competition. They say like e-commerce, mm-hmm. right? A lot of a lot of businesses are being affected by e-commerce. But I mean, let's just face: you can't get your haircut online, yeah, right? You can't so get this, your haircut, haircut, yeah. you know, haircut is not going to go. That's right. not going to go online. So how accurate are these numbers based off your experience, and how viable? is your industry for people looking to make a career change or still considering 
what the career should be. So the hair care industry as a whole right now is worth about $300 billion. Okay. So not just barbering, but overall. The whole thing. Salon, yeah. you know, women. It, yeah. It's really all in the same except for a barber can use a razor, a mm -hmm. cosmetologist can't. It's okay. all really in the same, right? Gotcha. So with that being said, um, I feel like, you know, people often say, hey, man, you know, do you think the industry is oversaturated? I don't yeah. think that it's oversaturated because everybody don't have my posture. Mm -hmm. You know, I started cutting hair at 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. I would cut between 25 and 38 heads every day. Yeah. Most heads I would cut in one day was 48 heads. Yes, sir. I wouldn't take a, a bathroom break. <laughs> From 4 o'clock in the morning, sometimes I wouldn't take a bathroom break until 3, 4, 5 o'clock. Wow. And I would say, okay, after this client, I'm going to use the bathroom. I wouldn't do it because I was just so engulfed in, yeah. you know, Servicing my client and staying on schedule, right? Yes, sir. I would go in the shop before the sun came up, and I wouldn't leave in the summertime until the sun went after the sun went down, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So, with that being said, man, you know when I was eighteen, haircuts was only ten dollars. Mm. I was making between fifteen hundred dollars and two thousand dollars a week when haircuts was only ten dollars. Wow! I know some people you can't sit in a chair for less than forty five dollars for yeah. a regular basic haircut yeah, right now. For sure. But the issue is, is that they don't conduct themselves. So I tell my students in orientation, don't come here focused on being the best barber. Yeah. Come here focused on succeeding. Because if yeah. I've been cutting hair for 34 years, and um, excuse my language, but I'm a dog with it. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? I'm a dog with them clippers. That's right. So with that being said, it's like you won't get, you know what I'm saying, you know, humbly say, you're not going to get what I have in 34 years. You're not going to get it in 12, 13, okay. 14 months. It's not going to happen. Right. It's right. not even going to come in five years. Right. But if you can, if you can focus on, you know, writing you up a business plan, incorporating yourself right now so it can get some season on it, mm -hmm. you know, learning how to pay your taxes, do all of these things that means success. So that way, when if COVID came around and mm -hmm. you were in that position, guess mm -hmm. what? You could have filed unemployment. Okay. If you had your mm -hmm. corporation and you were paying yourself from your corporation, mm -hmm. now you can file unemployment because you're having taxes taken out. You. you're having Social Security taken out. Sense. You're having 401k taken out. So you're setting yourself up to say that, man, when I decide I don't want to cut hair anymore, mm -hmm. then I'm set for the rest of my life. Okay. Most people mm -hmm. in this industry aren't doing that. They don't right. have insurance. They don't have medical, dental, life insurance policies and stuff like that. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. So it's an mm -hmm. amazing industry, yeah. but a lot of people, they don't have the discipline mm -hmm. to do all of those things that I just said because okay. of the fact that it's like it's fast, quick money, and nobody's controlling it but okay. them. Okay. So when somebody come in selling them, you know, them fake true religions or them right. $50 L1s <laughs> that's really not real, you know, yeah. they're like, hey, man, yeah, come on, man, I'll give you 40 for it. Yeah. So if you made $200 for the day, yeah. you know, spent 150 of it on goofy stuff, oh, goofy and stuff, then you right. can't even pay your boyfriend at the end of the week. I got you. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so it's condition based, so you can't. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't work, you don't eat. So yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so it's unfortunate, yeah. but I would I would say that. But definitely, it's recession proof. Mm -hmm. Um, it's economy proof. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and I feel like our industry, you know, can help with economic development mm -hmm. and and people being able to work and get jobs. You mm -hmm. know, because of the fact of I feel like all you need is a handful of clients on a day to day basis. Yes, sir. And you can make if you made. $200 every day, five days a week, times four, mm -hmm. that's $4,000 a month. Right. That's a house note. Right. That's a car, maybe two car notes. Yeah. Groceries. For sure. Insurance, all of that stuff, gas. Yeah. And you didn't even do six or seven hours in that one day. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. That's, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Sometimes I can cut, man, five heads and be the made $250, depending yeah. on the clients that came in. I got you. Yeah, that's that's really powerful, man. I hope a lot of people, you know, there's some aspiring barbers out there that's listening to this podcast will really, you know, give it a give it a give it a look, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a trade that you can that you'll have forever. Um, and I, I was, you know, I have I have another question about 
uh, barbering because it was just something I was interested in. Okay. I was, you know, that's why I was really excited to talk to you. Um, historically, barbers were, you know, highly respected people in their in their tribes, in their communities. They wore many hats, so to speak, right? And you kind of touched on that a little bit earlier with the the red, white, and blue, and what you know, with mm-hmm. what that symbolizes. Um, outside of those things, you know, what, was there any other history about barbering that you would like to share as far as like the origin of barbering and then the second question was do you think that barbers and barber shops still yield the same level of influence and importance today why why not um so to your first question uh so the origin of barbering basically the the men's beard yeah basically um identified them as how much power they had okay back in the day right so that was part of it um the color of a woman's hair yeah. identified who they were and the power that they had mm-hmm. as related to uh, the industry. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's part of the origin wow. of, of barbering. Okay. Um, I, I believe we're the oldest profession yeah. in the world. And um, and then to your other question um, asked, like, are we, what type of influence are we, right? Yeah. So everybody have to go to the barbershop. Yeah, that's true. Everybody, <laughs> everybody. Or if it's not the barbershop, your house is the barbershop. Yeah. Whatever that looks like where, where somebody is trusting you to, to give them a service that's going to make them feel good. You mm. know, in some cases make or break a person. Cause mm. if they don't like the haircut, like, Oh no, man, man you know what I'm saying? Right. right. Or, or if you done hurt them, you know, or if you done cut them, yeah. it may not be such a good experience. Right. But when you sit in my chair, it's like I'm your your counselor. I'm mm. your you know if it's a shorty, you know what I'm saying I'm your mentor. Mm-hmm. I'm everything to that person that's sitting in my chair at that time. Whether yeah. it's celebrity, you know, a real celebrity, or whether it's my clients I consider celebrities, you know, you are everything to that client because right. they're trusting you. Okay, man, hey, you know my my head and my life is pretty much in your hands, right? Right. We can be responsible for somebody's death sitting in our chair. Wow. Reason being is because of the fact that in barbering, we have to learn about anatomy and physiology, mm-hmm. bacteriology. We have to learn about hepatitis A and B. We have to learn about HIV, malaria, mm. because these diseases can be passed along in a barbershop. So when they were trying to say we were non-essential, yes, mm. we are, mm-hmm. because we have to teach disinfectant. We have to teach sanitation. We have to learn about infections control. So right. we know about all of those things, ultraviolet rays. You know, if you put a chemical wrong in somebody's head, they can have a, a, a chemical reaction and die. If mm. you put a wow. color in somebody's head and you didn't do a, a, um, a patch test, yeah. then that means that, you know, their head can blow up like a basketball oh, and they wow. can possibly get a reaction and they can die. A lot of, yeah, a lot of people don't understand mm-hmm. that. That's why it can be a misdemeanor if you're cutting hair or doing hair in the shop mm-hmm. without a license, you can get arrested and it's considered a misdemeanor. Wow. A lot of people didn't know that. I didn't know that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's Now amazing. they made it where if the state <laughs> don't come in, they made it where the police can come in and ask you, hey man, you got your license. If yeah. you don't produce your license, you can get arrested or they'll ask you just to, hey, you need to pack your stuff up. We don't want to see you cutting hair no more. Okay. Yeah, wow. serious. Yeah, that's serious, man. Because I've I've gotten my hair cut in somebody else before. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. like that was that was earlier early yeah, yeah, in the yeah, game. Yeah. But uh, I wish I'd have known that, you know. But um, I want to switch it up a little bit, Larry. Okay, you know, uh, thanks for you know and, and, you know thanks again for being on the podcast. You know, um, your father, Larry Robert Senior, mm-hmm. uh, has had a very accomplished gospel music career. Uh, there's how you know how you know that, Fred? Uh, man, you know you you, <laughs> you got a Wikipedia page almost, man. <laughs> Um, there seems to be a, a similar arc to when you both found your callings and married your first your first loves. And just stick with me a little bit okay. as I try to make this this uh, this connection. At the age of thirteen, he started playing for the late Dr. Doris Evelyn Davis. And, How did you and, know uh, that? <laughs> and Trinity All Nation Church, right? Wow! Yes. 
and he married your mother at the age of 19. Wow. So um, at the age of 13, you uh, bought your first pair of clippers. And you found your purpose and your calling, you know, cutting your hair in the, in the basement. Your mom told you to go to the, to the bathroom. I mean, you in the bathroom, your mom told you to go to the basement. You was like, what the heck? But you found your purpose and your calling at the age of 13 as well. He found his first love and married his first love in 19. You married your first love at 19 as well when you, when you opened your first your first barbershop. I'm not sure if you've ever made that correlation, but there seems to be some, some, some major similarities I never similarities made that there. Cor correlation. There are some similarities. I'm yeah. sitting here right now like I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah, your dad. But, you know, um, I was just I was when I was looking at the information, I'm like, wow, there's some synergy there. That's 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 kind of spooky in a way. Right. <laughs> but... Um, your dad has been a loyal and faithful servant for 50 years at the Trinity All Nations Church. As the minister of music, he began to cultivate his gift as a songwriter and master and, and composer. Uh, some of his best known songs are I Love Jesus, Are You Ready? How you know this? Ready. Oh my God. <laughs> it's out there, it's out there. Um, and you yourself, you're an accomplished musician. Yes. Right? It would be safe to say, that you grew up in the church, yeah. right? Which we kind of we kind of touched on a little pew, bit. As we call it. In the I'm church like PK. Pew. Yeah, that's right. PKs are the best. The PKs. Best, right? Okay. Or, or are we the worst ones? Which one? PKs. Are we the worst kids or are we the best kids? Uh, you know, I grew up in. I went to Catholic school, so man. <laughs> they say PKs are the worst kids, so I'll say. Uh, we'll no. see. Nah, I, I know worse, you know. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, Larry, what were some of the benefits of growing up in the church then? And some of the benefits of being an adult with that type of childhood now, and then on the flip side, what were some of the issues you faced growing up in the church then, and what are some of the obstacles you may have faced as an adult due to the experience in your upbringing? Ooh, this is a loaded question. Yeah, this is a loaded <laughs> question, man. So, uh, hmm, the benefits coming up in church was is that uh, getting older. They, yeah. It says in the Bible that. Uh, Train up a child. Train up a child in the way it should go. Mm -hmm. That when they go grow older, they will not depart from yeah, it. Right? Absolutely. So there are a lot of there are a lot of things that a lot of ways that I came up that I really didn't agree with. Okay. You know what I'm saying? At some point, like I resented my parents, right? And but I had I sat down and I had a talk with them and explained to them why I had resent for them. You know, mm. but not understanding because it's like the pulpit kind of talk. My grandmother was the pastor back in the day, okay, right? Okay. So the pulpit kind of taught, and 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 the parents kind of, you know, led off the pulpit. But I didn't know my father had the balance that I needed. Yeah. You know, in order to so, but I learned it later. You know, yeah. what I'm saying like yeah. stuff that my mom, you know, really wasn't going for. My father was like. I'm good with it, you know. Yeah. 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 He, why, why can't he play sports or why can't he play basketball? So it's a lot of things, man. That you know, like I, I just didn't understand real. And if I wanted to do something, I was gonna do it anyway. Right. But right. it wasn't really that serious for okay. me, right? Yeah. So I think that if a lot of people that grew up in church the way I grew up in church, if they were willing to admit it, um, I think church hurt a lot of people. Mm. And I'm careful in saying that because of the way I don't want to make people feel like it was a bad thing, but. It's just like I just vowed that when raising my daughter mm -hmm. that I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have those real conversations with her. Okay. If my daughter asks me about sex, I'm not going to say, don't ask me about that. Right. We're not talking about that. Right. No, they need to know. For sure. Right? For sure. So it was a lot of things that I was afraid to talk to my parents about that I had to try and work out on my own because mm. we were so afraid. It's like we were we were feared, you know, uh, or we were um, scared into not doing certain stuff. Because yeah. we don't want to go to hell, right, and and, right. and we didn't want to, you know, like 
you know, you, you'll be cursed, mm -hmm. you know, or mm -hmm. you don't take communion if you don't ask for forgiveness. It's like all of these things, man, that, mm -hmm. you know, like you tried to buy by. And I know getting older, it's like I always attribute it. Like if something went wrong, I said, oh, man, it might be because I, you know, I went to the show. I got you. You know, or sure. if this happened, oh, man, it was because of the fact that, you know, I had sex with a girl. Right. You know, everything yeah. was a trip. Everything that went wrong, I always attributed to something that I did because of what I was was rehearsed into my my right. mind. Right? right. For sure. So one of the things mm -hmm. I learned is, is that I stopped stop focusing on on religion mm -hmm. and I focused on relationship. OK. With God. Right. Right. So once I developed my relationship with God, then it helped me not to worry so much about what man or what woman said and basically right. what relationship I know my heart and the relationship right. I have with God. Right. So let me focus in on that. So they were bittersweet with that as well because I love being in church. But we was in church, man, four, five days a week, man. <laughs> Sunday mornings, man, we'd be in church from eight to nine o'clock in the morning, sometimes to eleven o'clock at night, oh, man. man. Three it was like four, a job. Five. Oh my God. <laughs> and every Friday night, man, we had to get saved, if you know what yeah. that was. Yeah. So getting saved, man, we had to get on the altar and, you know, save me, Lord. We <laughs> save me, Lord, save me, Lord. And they wouldn't let you get off the altar till they felt like you got something, oh, right? Oh my God. So what that meant was is that you had to be, you know, spitting and boohooing and oh, crying. Man. So I would try, hey, sick of this every Friday night. Yeah. So I would go sit down, right? You know, if I wasn't on they would make the music. My grandma just feel like she was like, Y'all get off these drums, get off this oil. Y'all, y'all, all the young folks come up to this altar. I'm like, grandma, I just got saved last week. I don't want to do this no more, right? So then I would go like after I after one of the evangelists or the mothers left me, yeah. you know, I'm looking around I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go sit down now. So I go and sit down, and they be like, "Little Larry, what you doing?" I'm like, "I'm saved. No, you ain't. Get back up here." Oh, because they needed to see some type of expression, right? Yeah. So I I learned a trick to it though. Okay. And I taught my other friends it. Yeah. So I be say, "Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord." So then when they weren't looking. You know, I, you, you say it so much till you gather a lot of spit in your mouth, right? Okay, okay. So I would gather so much spit, and then I would take the spit, and I would put it on my cheeks oh, and make man. it like I was crying. <laughs> and then I'd make sure that before I sit down, yeah. like, I'm crying. <laughs> like I'm saved right. now. Like, oh, yeah, son. You got it. Like, yes, ma'am, I got so it. Because yeah. I got so sick of being up yeah. on that altar, man. Yeah. Oh, man. That's <laughs> but, a good one. Yeah, but it's the bitter yeah. with the sweet, though, man. But I can appreciate it, though. It's creative. I, I was creative, <laughs> but I can appreciate it, man, because of the fact that, you know, again, I didn't depart from, because they were good. They they meant well. Yeah. They meant well, but they, they was trying to protect us because they didn't want us going away to school, to college. Oh, We wow. couldn't go to the show. Okay. Just all of these things, man. So, yeah. you know, but they meant well, and I learned from it, but mm -hmm. I didn't, you got a lot of people say, man, as soon as I get grown, you know, because they was in, they was hooked up into that. As soon as I get 18, man, yeah. I'm moving away. And man, people done turn into alcoholics. Oh, yeah. You know, they done turn into drug addicts. Sure. They done veered so far left until, because they felt like I missed out on so much of my childhood. You For know sure. what I'm saying? For sure. But we can't get those times back, man. Yeah. And I'm just going to learn from it, man. Tank, keep turn my forward. pain into purpose, man. Keep yeah. moving forward. You know, even even still, though, I would imagine that a part, a part of that experience shaped your character in, in a way where it's showing up in your entrepreneurial decision making as far as the the type of enterprises that you that you uh, venture into um i don't want to assume i guess i'll ask you know how does it how does it inform your path that you take as an entrepreneur you know, how has that experience how has that faith that well made? one of the things that i think is major to me is is that you know as a young black man you know and as a black business owner i don't want to run any kind of business right you know what i'm saying i don't want you know i've always thought you know 
I mean, it's unfortunate, but I always said, man, you don't want to be like Donald Trump. But that yeah. was like in 1925 when right. I said I wanted to be like Donald Trump. Like, nah, nah, I'm sorry. Yeah. But anyway, um, so the it, it, it really influenced me um, because of the fact of I just feel like, like I wanted to make sure that I had some dignity and some okay. integrity inside of my businesses, sure. right? For sure. So when it could be about money, like, man, we got to make this money. No, your money is not more, at, for my students, your money is not more important to me than you leaving here saying that you got something. You're leaving here with a, with a, a foundation. You're mm-hmm. leaving here, you know, nor, so there's uniformity. Mm-hmm. You know, can't wear no hats inside of my schools, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not a big deal, yeah. but it's just the fact that, you know, what are we representing? I don't want everybody to look at my industry and feel like, oh, man, it's just a, a whatever kind of industry. They disrespect our industry too much. Right. So what can I do in order to make sure that I keep that structure? Man, you got to stand on it. And mm. if God said it, you know, in the Bible it says will. Whenever God says will, it don't mean maybe, mm-hmm. I'm going to think about it. Um, if you act, no. If he said I'm going to do it, he will do it. So right. I'm dependent on man. I know what God told me. And I'm sticking to that, and yeah. I just know that I need to run my businesses upstanding mm-hmm. with integrity, mm-hmm. with dignity. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? And yep. make sure. So that's what all of that taught me, man. Yeah. You know, stay up on that wall, yep. hold to my guns, but but also have some type of balance. You know, I'm yeah. not one of them cats who I'm on this mountain and can't nobody touch me. I'll never ever be like that, man. Sure. I'm a people's person. I love people. I want to help people. You know, but how do we? How do I help you? How do I? Help me help you. Yeah. And we can, and I know I can't help everybody, yeah. but we can work together, we man, work together, and get what yeah. we need to get. So seems like it's a strong foundation there though. Absolutely. You know, like you your, your businesses, you like, you know, everything is built on a, a solid foundation of belief and faith. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's and that's what that's um you know, that's, that's the best foundation to be built on. So I have some more questions here, but we're getting a little advanced in the time. So I don't you know, I don't I wouldn't be mindful of your time. Oh. So I'm a, I'm gonna fast forward just a little bit. Um I read a great book by Seth Golden earlier this year. Have you ever you, you heard of the author Seth Golden? Yes, I have. Yeah, I love him. He wrote a book called Tribes, and I read it earlier this year when the pandemic was like at its at its peak, and I was you know just in the, in the house. And I was reading a lot of yeah, books. Yeah, I watched I, Ozark and Wentworth yeah, and I, Queen I, I, of the I, South. I watched The Sopranos again. Man, but, <laughs> I watched I watched like eighty two episodes of Wentworth like yeah. in five days. Man. I know, man. It's, I know. It's so, ridiculous. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Everything yeah. I wanted to do that was you know like lazy. I did it like in, in May. Um, but the book, it was called Tribes. In that book, he talks extensively about leadership. And in, and in one example, he equates uh, the art and the science of leadership to learning how to do like a magic trick, right? So he said that the, the science of magic is learning how to do the trick, right? The tactics, the system. There's a system that's involved in doing whatever the magic trick is. The art of doing the trick is what actually makes it magic. So... The art is difficult because the art is what you can't teach someone, right? You can't teach someone showmanship. You can't teach someone personality. You can't teach them character. Um, how have you been able to master the art and science of leadership in your industry um, and your other business ventures? And I know you mentioned this, but is you said that there is an art and science to barbering. For our aspiring barbers out there, how would you describe the art and science of cutting hair? Um, I guess we can start with the first question. I, I'm okay. trying to get better at okay. not yeah, loading no, them up. That's okay. So um, to your first question, yeah. I think that uh, you have to meet people where they are, right? Yeah. So me coming from being a full-time instructor, what I realize is that if you have you know, 25 people in your classroom, 
everybody's not going to learn the same. Right. They're not going to learn at the same speed. Yeah. You know, uh, some people may be a little bit more boisterous than others. Right. So as an instructor, as a leader, I had to learn how to lead and help them be better at who they are and, and, and what they need to be. Right. Yeah. So it's almost kind of like a, um, it's almost kind of like a rocket booster type deal. Right. Okay. Okay. So the rocket booster is, 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 it was created in order to take it up so far. Mm-hmm. And then the rocket booster drop off, mm-hmm. and then the rocket keeps going, right? Right, right, exactly. So I kind of feel like that with my with my students, or just being a leader. Period. You mm-hmm. know, I can only take you so far, but it's up to you to grab onto it mm-hmm. and keep going the rest of the way. Makes sense. So as a leader, as an instructor, you know, I just learned how to do that, and I'm, I'm very good with analyzing. I'm pretty analytical, and I'm good with analyzing the room or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Mm-hmm. So even if when I go to do speaking engagements, you know, depending on the crowd, depending on how old they are, like I can have something. It out, but mm-hmm. depending on what's going on, I know how to just kind of flip the script and then just kind of adjust to the yeah. room. So yeah. if it's young people, I know I can't be talking about, you know, in the beginning, this, that, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, I have to make sure that they're going to engage with me. And I've been in a lot of situations like, okay, yeah. you had 300 kids in this room and, you know, you know, young people and we've never, they've never sat here this quiet ever before. So right. what did you do? Right. You know, so I think that I'm pretty good with, you know, engaging, you know, people and stuff like that, man. Sure. I, and I think I get that from my dad. You okay. Know? Yeah. I get yeah, that from my dad. For sure. For sure. Dad, he's giving me a lot of gifts. That's my hero, man. <laughs> That's my hero. That's really awesome to hear. Um, so I'm going to go back to your book just one, one more time. Uh, in chapter three of your book, you referenced that even though I was a hard worker, uh, I didn't have a clue how professionally uh, to run the day to day of my business. Um, as far as the finances were concerned, um, I was pretty smart and computer literate, but no one told me these business skills were necessary. I just thought I was supposed to make money and enjoy everything that came along with it. I've heard you say that sometimes our gifts can take us places that our character can't handle. Um, was this an example of your gift taking you to a place that your character couldn't handle at that time? And if so, how were you able to level up from a character perspective and save your business? Absolutely. Um, I had to keep bumping my head. Okay. <laughs> That's what had to keep happening. Yeah. Uh, so you're absolutely right. So at that time, even though I was a hard worker, you know, I, I had the sweat equity part of it down packed, but there's a business aspect that come along with that as well. Right. So my dad was really able to talk. You you know how people who are antiquated are, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like my dad, my mom and dad are both 68 years old. Yeah. So back in the day, you know, they were just accustomed to, you know, they was in the era where hey, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to work and I'm using my hands. I'm going right. to work hard. Right. But as far as getting the other aspect of it, you know, they really, they really couldn't teach me that. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't know how to, the in the right way to make sure it's almost like, going to buy a house. Mm-hmm. If you buy a $300,000 house, mm. then you need to be making a certain amount of money. 100%. Not making, okay, I, I make this kind of money, so I, I feel like, yeah, I make this money every month, so if I got to pay a $3,000 car, no, I pay, I could pay a $3,000 house note. Yeah. It don't work like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So same thing with business, right? Mm-hmm. You you don't just, so when I opened up my first barbershop, I used my own money that I oh. saved as a teenager. Okay. People think, oh, man, you spoiled. No, my father went and signed a lease for me because I wasn't old enough to do that. Mm. But I used money that I saved as a youngster in order to open up my shop. But guess what? With that money, I didn't. I didn't have rainy day money. Mm-hmm. I didn't have, it was like, okay, I'm going to buy a little bit of stuff at a time, and then I'm going to make some money, some more money, and then buy some more stuff, and then so on and so forth. But then in that time, I'm still trying to be young. I'm yeah. still trying to live life. Yeah. I'm still trying to have the best car. Right. I'm still trying to have the alligator shoes and right, the Coogee right. sweaters <laughs> and, and the mink coats and all this kind of stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. But business had to happen. Right. But business wasn't complete 
Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to do all of this and still run a business. Mm-hmm. That's part of what I had to go through in order to say, hold on one minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. For sure. And I had to dumb things down, you know what I'm saying? And that's how I was able to kind of get to where yeah, I am. Yeah, right okay. Now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you for, you know, for sharing, for sharing. And I, you know, because my whole thing was, you know, with that question, just providing some advice for yeah. the talented young men and women out yeah. there whose gifts are taking them places that maybe their character can't Yeah, you can't, can't, you handle, can't put you know? the cart before the horse, yeah, as they right. said. You yeah. can't do that. Yeah, for Otherwise, sure. you'll end up, you know, man, going down in flames. <laughs> going down in flames, yes. right. Yeah, we see it a lot, too, in sports, you know. I think that's one of the reasons why I really love sports. And I, I use a lot of sports analogies. And uh, Stefan, you know, he uh, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, because, you know, a lot of the times in, in sports, we can see ha- happening in real, in real time you know, these things happening. Mm-hmm. Somebody's talent taking them places that, that, that their character couldn't handle. A guy just recently got released, uh, Dwayne, uh, the quarterback for uh, Washington Redskins. They just released him. And he was a first-round pick two, uh, a couple years ago, mm. you know, because his character wasn't right, you know. So, you know, I think what you're saying is so true. You know, yeah. you got to make sure that and, there's and, and you And you would think, and yeah. see, you would think that, like, sometimes with people, when you get it too fast, yeah, that's that character not being able to handle that gift. Uh-huh. Because then it's like, I always talk about. You ever seen that movie Blank Check? I haven't. No. So Blank Check, and I also talk about um like lottery ticket. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so it's that. like, man, as soon as you get this money, <laughs> yeah. man, I'm ready to go buy a Foot Locker. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to take all my friends to the bar, bow at the bar. Yeah. Because yeah. I asked, I say, man, if I gave you, I asked 18 year old, if I gave you a million dollars right now, what would you do with it? They said, um, I'll invest in real estate mm-hmm. and I'll buy me a house. No, you're not. Right. You going? You going to buy some shoes, yep. some clothes? You going yep. to buy a car? You go put rims on your car. That's right. And before you know it. In one month, you're going to have $500 left. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're going to be broke. <laughs> and you're going to be that's, broke. That's so true. Yeah. So a lot of times, like for me, for me, I feel like the more money you give me, man, I'm going to put a Bible under my arm, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going for the gusto, man. Yeah. It's like, you know, I want to make sure, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm upstanding. I'm yeah. doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, man. Yeah, for you sure. You know what I'm saying? No, I know what you're saying. But you some know. people don't look at it like that. No. They feel like now is the time that, man, I'm great. I'm great. Smoke more. I'm ready right. to get drunk more. Right. I'm no. It as if it, as if that. it's gonna last forever. Yeah, if it's gonna last re- forever. Replenish man. on its no, own. Yeah, no. yeah. It's not. It's not gonna. It doesn't the better work that things way. get. You should want to make sure you do what you need to do in order to keep that to keep stuff. It. Right. Maintain it. Not That's just right. lose it because you, yeah. like you said, you yeah. got released. You don't. You never know what tomorrow might. You bring, never know. Man. Right. You never and, know what and I think that was. I think that was probably a part of the issue. Is like you feel like you made it once you've accomplished the goal, like making it to the NFL or something like that. Where that's not even that's just scratching the surface. Absolutely. You know, there's a whole nother element yep. to absolutely. You know, maintaining it. You mm-hmm. know, accomplishing the goal and then maintaining it is two different things. Right. Um. I want to get a little bit into uh, Larry's Bravo College and you know some of the the programs that you have going on and that, that's kind of wrap that's going to wrap everything up okay. for us. Um. But my my next question was that you know everyone fails at some point in their life, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the biggest difficulties of life is you know you know dealing with failure. We can't be perfect. Uh, no matter how hard we try, we just it's just not gonna happen. Some of us make mistakes so big that it may cost us our freedom um, and leads us to what you call being blind spotted. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about your idea of being how blind spotted? You know <laughs> oh my god, you did some research, man. I did, man. You know, I was excited to talk to you, and oh uh, you know, I think I think you got a great a great perspective. Oh, you know, thank you. Um, but yeah, this concept of being blind spotted. You know, what is that? What does that mean in the context of our society today, and how can how could someone overcome this stigma, uh, and you know maybe I guess fail for it so to speak? Okay, so I, I'm gonna give an example just as it relates to just um, just like 
being locked up, right, in the yeah. penal system. Yeah. Um, a lot of us, you know, we're we're quick to saying what we want to do yeah. and how people should be and right. what you should have done. And, right. you know, you want to judge people, but you don't know their stories, right? right? Right. So a lot of times, you know, people who are who are detained, you know, um, they've been blind spotted. It's like you think everybody that's locked up in jail are bad people. Right. That's not that's not true. Right. Some people mess up as a as a juvenile, you know, and when they get out to do it all over again, you say no, because you got a background. Mm. So I'm not gonna give you a job. Mm -hmm. You can't get a place to live. Mm -hmm. You can't do nothing else in society. Mm. What do you expect this 18, 19, 20, 25 year old to do? Right. For the rest of their lives, right. if they expect expect to live another 40, 50, 60 years, exactly. what you expect these people to do? So yeah. what do they end up doing? Going back to what they know, right? And it becomes a re, a re, it, it becomes a cycle, right? right? So I'm here to help cut down on the recidivism, mm -hmm. you know, and in, in in order to make it where if I put my programs inside of the jail, they can go to school, complete the program, so when they walk out, they can go straight to work, mm. versus. You know, them trying to get out, go to school, but then they have to try and catch up. They got kids they got to take care of. They got families they got to take care of. Right, and it's right. just difficult to go to school, be in school all day. Yeah. You need to make money. You're trying to figure out. You hit and miss in school. I got to stop going for a little bit. Let me take a leave of absence. Yeah. It's just too topsy-turvy, man. Right. And everybody who's locked up in jail aren't bad people. That's right. It's, it's just the truth of the matter, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? And if something happened, like the judges aren't taking time to say, okay, this is your third strike. This your, uh, You done been before me 20 times. Tell me how you got to this point. The judge only got time for that. Right. They got to go play golf at 1 o'clock. That's right. <laughs> and they got 20 more cases they need to see. Yeah. And they go take a recess for an hour and a half because yeah. this attorney is not in there because mm -hmm. I go to courts for my for my people in jail. Mm -hmm. So point being, man, is is that um, it takes us as a community and mm -hmm. as, as, a, as a people in order to even and help them. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because there are blind spots in yeah. In all of this, you know yeah, what I'm saying? And, sure. um, like, man. man, you know, thank you for bringing that back to my remembrance. I didn't say it exactly the way I quoted it because I spoke about that before. Yeah. But there's a movie that was called Blind Spot. Okay. And that's where I even start, like, getting that from. It's okay. like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, man, but, yeah. That's, yeah, I, th I thought that's, it was very powerful. That, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, because that's, that's exactly, essentially what it is, you yep. know. Um, and we're putting people in a box, right? Absolutely. You know, based off of mistakes. And, you know, they, they do that a lot in finance, too. Yep. Um, you know, when I worked in, uh, when I worked in finance, when I worked in banking, you know, your credit report is a representation of your character right. in a sense. Right. And sometimes, you know, when we're in our twenties, you know, we don't understand finance and money and we make some mistakes, we mm -hmm. run up credit cards, we don't pay our, we don't pay our student loans off. So, you know, our character when we were 21, isn't probably the same character that we have now that we're, Absolutely. you know, you know, 34. But they don't want to forgive it, though. They don't want to forgive it. So they're looking at your credit report, and they're looking at mistakes you made when you are 21. Yeah. But you're coming in when you, you're, you're 28, and you, you're a totally different person. But they, there's, not, there's no mechanism to take those things into consideration. And I think that's, a, that's another blind spot, yeah. you know. So, so I, I really resonated yeah. with that when you said yeah. that, you know, because, you know, people change. Yeah. We make, we make, we, sometimes we just make bad decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And some people just get caught. Yeah. And that's probably, like, that's, like, one of the biggest differences, you know. People, you know, the ones who get caught, those are the ones that typically... Right. Are the ones that's kind of got caught up in the in the blind spot, um, but everybody's doing something, yeah, you know. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> um, you are now the first and only accredited program inside a state facility, offering mentoring and barbering lessons to inmates and juveniles, uh, teaching them life skills and uh, helping to lower recidivism and homelessness, providing real opportunities uh, to men and women who typically don't get a second chance, um, and another route to take 
to take to take care of them, their, themselves and for their families and take care of their families. How did Larry's Barber Shop evolve into Larry's Barber College? And uh, when did you receive the inspiration to use your talents for this kind of work? Um, so Larry's Barber Shop developed into Larry's Barber College because I felt like I had something to say. Okay. I felt like I had something to give. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to teach people kind of like kind of like now sitting inside of my media yeah. room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In one of my barber schools. It's yeah. like nobody else is doing that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm able to take a little bit of church. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of the way I grew up with running my dad's restaurants. You know, him being my hero, him mentoring me, me learning, and I and, and kind of balling it all up into saying that, you know what? Let me help take this stigma off the industry as in, oh, man, that's not a real job or yeah. people belittling our industry. So I took a little bit of this and a little bit of that and said, let me take and open up a barber school. Mm -hmm. And instead of it just being barber school, mm -hmm. you know, let me add mentoring. Let me add mm -hmm. life skills. Let me mm -hmm. add mental health. Let me have substance abuse because so many people come in broken. Mm -hmm. So many people come in saying, you know what? I don't like what I used to do. So let me change my life and let me do something different. So there are so many different aspects as to people coming to school. You know, everybody that come to school aren't degenerates, but right. just giving an example uh, as I can't, I don't want to kick everybody out of school. So what can I incorporate inside of my curriculum to help them while they're inside of my facility mm. to say, okay, you know what, along with this barbering, yeah, that's good. But you know, let me help heal you from some past hurt. Okay. Let me help, you know, cause wow. you got people who don't have fathers in their lives or, you know, mothers might've been drug addicts or right. they may be adopted and all of these things. So right. I feel like I want to be an example right. and I want to show them how I overcame. I can't talk about drinking i don't drink i can't right. talk about getting high i don't get high i can't right. talk about selling drugs and game banking i ain't never did that yeah but i can talk about hey i was molested i overcame that mm -hmm. i can talk about you know i used to fight all the time and throw clippers at people mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying I'm about 90 percent with that right okay. now you know i'm about 99.5 percent <laughs> you know or whatever you know i used to be a womanizer you know what i'm saying yeah. i, I kind of yeah. i oh well not kind of i overcame that you yes, know sir. what i'm saying yes, sir. you know i want to say on tv i'm about 99 95 percent of that i'm 100 percent of that right now okay <laughs> we can edit it we can edit it <laughs> um so you know so just all of them things yes, man sir. i feel like I, I was able to take and drag into the the barber school industry, man, and yeah. feel like I want to take this thing all over the world. Wow. And I want to teach people how to be professional for real. It's like you got people say, man, I want to open up a barber shop. I don't open up a slime. My first question to me is why? Well, yeah. man, it's going to make a lot of money. This is the wrong industry for you. You know right. what I'm saying? And you got people who want to open up these businesses who don't understand the business, who don't do the business, and you're just looking for a paycheck and it don't work like that. Right. So who better than me who's been cutting hair for as long as I have, who's done done sweated who done cut hair in the shops when the heat well, air conditioning wasn't working in the summertime or yes, or when it was cold and we had to cut in hats and gloves and all that kind of stuff man i done been through it man yeah that's why hey reality show i'm i'm in that all all day long that's okay. what i'm doing yeah. you know writing more books i'm, I'm on top of it got a yeah. couple more books i'm working on so awesome. i'm taking all of that stuff man and showing people yeah i might be a barber tonsoral artist mm -hmm. but i got a lot of other stuff that come along with that yeah. as well and i wow. want to show them that man we're not ignorant yeah we're not stupid we're right. not dumb right and you, the service that you need from the so-called dumb person, you know, you got to come and get this service all the time. It, right. So <laughs> are you the dummy? That's you know right. what I'm saying? So, uh, you dump estimating, you absolutely know, underestimating the person. Yeah. yeah. So I got a few more questions, you know, let me know. Okay. We still good. Yeah. We still good. Um, would you mind explaining a little bit to our audience what data Inc is? 
So data, I developed that years, that yeah, years ago, uh, developing a trade after. Um, I used to say after school, but after kind of leaves it hanging. Like after what? After jail? Yeah. After after you know the after you get out the service, you know whatever after is that's put that tagline on there, you know. Yeah. And I developed data foundation in order to help me facilitate uh to facilitate the different uh the different. Uh, things that I do inside the Penal Institute because I do all this stuff for free. Okay. For over 10 years now. Um, yeah. The mentoring life skill, I add all this stuff in my curriculum. I do all that stuff for free. Senior citizens, we do all that stuff for free. I do free services on a monthly basis. You know, people be doing these back to school haircuts and stuff like that. What, okay, what are they going to do the other 394 days? You mm. know, the, I'm, not, I'm sorry, the other 364 days. 64 days you know, sure. right? So, like, I, I don't like that stuff. Like, let's mm. do something on a continuous basis, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so it's pretty much in order to help pay for that. So okay. I have a 501c3, okay. and I developed that, you know, in hopes that now we can have kind of like a little grant thing going where I'm getting money in order mm. to help supply the needs okay. of, you know, all of the stuff that I'm doing, you know, around the United States, around yeah. the world, so to okay. speak. So that's, that's awesome, how I developed man. data. That's, yep. a great, that's a great idea. Um, so we're getting to the end, and uh, these are going to be they're, – they're not going to be as – extensive uh, type questions, more like uh, like layup questions. Okay. Um, on the show, we define uh, success as trusting and loving the process. Uh, I was I could go a little bit further and say trusting and loving God's process. Okay. You know, more than the end result. That's, you know, that's how we define success on limit, limitless belief. How do you define success? And how is it different now than when you first started your professional journey? Um, I define success for me with um, just learning to be, you know, rich in love and family. Yeah. You know, um, to me, that's success. You okay. know, um, not taking God out the equation, you know, yes, that's success. And I feel like everything else will come behind it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, in the Bible it says, for the love of money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I don't love money like that. Right. I need money in yeah. order to run my business, in order to live like everybody else. Right. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't engulf myself with all oh, money, 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 you know, right. for the wrong reason, so right. to speak. So I think that success is, you know, rich in family, you know, rich in love and basically just, you know, conducting yourself, you know, making sure that God stays first. And then if you can succeed in those areas, yep. I think everything else will be yeah. smooth sailing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. What's one what's one common myth about your profession or field that you want to debunk? Take some time to debunk. One common myth. Is that it's not a it's not a real job. Okay, <laughs> that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> a real it, it, it makes the real money. Yeah, that other jobs make. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. But yeah. you know, it's a real job. Yeah, but I have yeah. to debunk that man because yeah. of the fact, and that's why posture is important. You yes, know sir. what I'm saying? I tell people your posture inside the shops make every mean everything. Yep. the music you play, yep. uniformity. You know how well how well groomed you keep yourself. Right. You know what I'm saying? So all of that stuff matters. All that stuff man. matters. Yep. Yeah, it's a total package. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what makes Larry Roberts feel inspired today? What makes you feel like your best self? Um, what makes me feel inspired? Um, what makes me feel inspired knowing that um, I love me some me? <laughs> you know, that, that's what inspires me because I remember yeah. where I was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, every day before I leave out my house, man, you know, um, my, my affirmation is, is God, please, please continue blessing me and my family yes, so that we may be and continue to be a blessing to others. Yes, sir. That's my affirmation every day. Mm -hmm. And that today is going to be the best day ever. Yeah. Even though it might be the bad, like one of the worst days, but I never stop affirming that today is going to be the best day that I ever had. Yeah. Man. So, yeah. 
that's what helps me to just just keep it moving, keep yeah. going. You love know that. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, do you have what's what's a big audacious goal you hope to achieve by the end of next year? By the end of next year, by the yeah. end of 2021. Yeah, it was a big audacious. Uh, Here you go. <laughs> uh, so one of the goals I want to achieve by next year is is I want I want to be able to say that um, I'm a multimillionaire. Okay. That's what I want to be able to achieve. Absolutely. You know, not yeah. for the money aspect of it. Yeah. But I know what having that will then bring and allow me to do for Impact. not only my employees yeah. but for my students, and I just feel like it'll just allow me to do better and better and better. Yeah. You know, and I have dormitory housing, which you know it's unheard of. Yeah. So That's awesome. I'm the first barber school to ever have dormitory housing. And I'm looking to build like a hundred units. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I want to build a hundred units, dormitory housing. And um, so that's what I hope to achieve yeah. by the end of next year, you know, maybe into 2021, because it'll take a while for that. But right. Yeah, that's what I'm looking to achieve. Speaking of Shelby. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And um my last two questions is where where can my listeners, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and everything that you do? Um, they can download my app. That's one of the things. Um, LSC Enterprises Inc. Larry's Barber College is free okay. on Google and it's free on um, the iPhone. I should have said Apple first because okay. I'm an Apple user, so I should have said it's free on Apple. Yeah, and it's free for the you know little generic Androids or whatever. So, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> uh, and then they can go to uh, datafoundationinc.org. Okay. Uh, if you know if people would like to give a donation to you know the cause, you know it's definitely you know they can write it off. I have a five one c three. I'm tax exempt. And um, you know they can um, they can text and give if they want to seven seven three five three zero three nine 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 if they would like to they can go to my website um, larrysbarbercollege.com mm -hmm. and um and just as people say just Google me just Google me Google that's me, right fam he you out there I found him <laughs> um it is a funny question I ask all my guests some people are like what what the heck is this question but tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees agrees with you on. Okay, I want to say it again. Tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Something that's true <laughs> that nobody agrees with you. Nobody or just some people don't agree with me? We can just say some people. Okay. Yeah. I'm one of the coldest barbers in the world. Okay, that's right. <laughs> in the world. That's true. Not in Chicago. That's right. In, in the, the world. world. Okay, Period. I love that. I love that, Larry. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Fred. Is there anything I should have asked you, but I didn't? Man, I think we covered everything, covered man. We all. can sit here and talk all day. I got a lot more <laughs> stuff I can tell you. We'll be yeah. here for another week. I know, but, I know. Yeah. I had a lot of more questions, too, but I think, but you know. I, I we'll, think it was a great. We can have you come back. Absolutely. Just <laughs> let me know, man. I'll be, yeah. um, I'll, it'll be my pleasure. Yeah, man, Larry, thank you so much for being on the Limitless Be podcast. And, um, Stay limitless, everybody. Peace. Peace. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. For more episodes just like this one, be sure to subscribe to Limitless Belief wherever you get your podcast. And remember, knowing means nothing until you apply it. So get going, get growing, and I'll see you on the other side of Limitless. Limitless.